Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday. Coming up, we will hear from Colin Healy after last night's 4-0 win for Cork City. Rory O'Hagan will also join us to talk through that one. Munster picked up an important win last night. Also, they were playing Scarlet to Musgrave Park. We'll get the thoughts of Graham Rowntree and John Klein, who spoke afterwards. And Tom Savage will, will analyse the victory for Munster. Formula 1 is back. It's the Bahrain Grand Prix qualifying was today, ahead of tomorrow's race. Sarah McKenzie Foley will join us on the show to run the rule over the session. And much more besides, plenty of Premier League action going on. Derry are currently facing Dublin in Division 2, which is of importance for Cork as well. So we'll keep an eye on that. All of that is between here and 7. It's Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock on the big red bench on Cork's Red FM. If you want to get in touch, 0868-104-106 on text or WhatsApp at Big Red Bench on Twitter. Uh, yeah, as I said there, Dublin currently beating Derry 8 points to 4. And the results could have some bearing on what happens with Cork, providing, of course, Cork go on and win their game tomorrow away to Clare. Um, but Cork, if they keep on winning, they're in with a shot of making a, a league final, which I know is probably not the, the major priority for Cork. It's just uh, safety in the division and making sure they're in the in the uh, Sam Maguire. Um but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if Dublin can hang on for the if they can hang hang on for the win here. Uh, what it's going to do, um, you know, for the the ramification the ramifications for the league. Obviously, Cork have yet to play Derry, so uh, they could be going into it. On could they be going into it in level? This they could be going into it in level points. So yeah. That could be interesting. So uh, let's see how that plays out uh, for the rest of the evening. All right, let's look at the Premier League. Um, I don't really know how to describe what I saw uh, at the Emirates. Uh, Arsenal scored deep into injury time to come back from 2-0 down to beat Bournemouth 3-2 and go five points clear at the top of the Premier League. Bournemouth, if Bournemouth are getting relegated anyway after that, mother of God, what a collapse by Bournemouth against Arsenal, it must be said. Uh, Reese Nelson struck in the 97th minute for the leaders, just the 90 seconds over time, I think it was, um, from <laughs> a corner. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Arsenal getting away with it once again. Uh, is it going to catch up with them sometimes, or are they past that rocky patch now? Obviously, they could have lost 2 0 to Aston Villa, or 2 1, was it, to Aston Villa? Um, so you never know. Uh, Man City, pretty uh, stress-free win over Newcastle as well. They had narrowed the gap. They'd won two nil. Newcastle, I think, have one win in eight in the Premier League. Like their top four is over. I think it's gone off the rails a small bit, and obviously a loss in the League Cup final to United last week probably hammered that home a bit as well. Maybe low spirits for those Newcastle players. Chelsea eased some of the pressure on boss Graham Potter thanks to a 1-0 win against Leeds do we have a full time oh, we do have a full time of the Chelsea Leeds game uh, very few full times came through this evening but we do have Chelsea 1 Leeds 0 Christy Wilmot reports 
Chelsea won, Leeds nil, and it's Wesley Fofana's powerful header that's proved the difference this afternoon. Chelsea played with more intensity, it has to be said, than they have recently, but sometimes still struggled in the final third with how dominant they were for periods in the game. Having said that, after Fofana's goal, it was a little nervy as Leeds really pushed for an equaliser. Substitute Joseph and Weston McKenney came close and goalkeeper Melier, well, he almost headed in in the final moments. But Chelsea edged the game and the home fans were in full song in support, so Potter may have bought a little more time with them. It's finished. Chelsea won, Leeds nil. Yeah, I saw, I saw it described as a rivalry earlier on. It, I don't think it's been a rivalry since 1970. Uh, but obviously, look, they played out probably, I think it's the uh, most ever watched game of football or it's most ever watched uh, FA Cup final at least um, between uh, Leeds and Chelsea back in the 70s. Uh, Derry have just got a goal against Dublin. Nine points to one, four now with 45 minutes gone there. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it, was, I thought it was funny when it was described as rivalry, really. I don't think Chelsea have been uh, thinking too much about Although they probably they were thinking about Leeds today, uh, they needed the win. Uh, Tottenham's top four hopes took a blow with a 1-0 defeat at Wolves. Um, have a full-time report here. Frank Watson was there. Wolves won Tottenham Hotspur nil. A Julen Lopetegui masterclass transformed this game. One substitution in the first half, two at half time, two further ones, transformed it. He changed shape in the second half and Wolves really, although Son hit the bar early in the second half, were then the dominant side. Could have scored three or four times before they eventually broke the deadlock on 83 minutes when Raul Jimenez, who had his best game for Wolves for a very long time, produced a good save from Fraser Forster, diving to his right to parry Jimenez's right foot drive, but Adama Traore following up volleyed into the roof of the net thereafter Spurs threw everything at it couldn't get back into it and it finished Wolves 1 Spurs 0 yeah, apologies for not being able to bring a full-time report on that Arsenal game, but obviously uh, it was, uh, I think, a goal after nine seconds um, for Billings for for Bournemouth put them ahead. They went 2-0 up, and it was Party White and Nelson who got the three goals for Arsenal to uh, secure a comeback victory. Um, finally, Aston Villa got past Crystal Palace 1-0. Bottom side, Southampton are taking on Leicester in the late kickoff. It is nil all there. Brighton thrashed West Ham 4-0 also that was the other results um, but uh, no um, no Evan Ferguson on the score sheet uh, which I was expecting to see when I saw 4-0 obviously getting a goal during the week in the FA Cup as well but uh, we won't complain he's, he's uh, developing nicely ahead of uh, some important games coming down the track against France which is only a couple of weeks away uh, so we'll, we'll be taking a look at Ireland versus uh, France and of course the start of those European qualifiers uh, in the coming weeks alright we're going to jump over to Gaelic games the Red FM hurling leagues are back this weekend obviously Pat Ryan releasing his intercounty players to play for their clubs uh, this weekend which was uh, brilliant I think uh, fair play to him um, I know that in Kerry I think the under 20 hurlers aren't allowed to play this weekend in the county league which is absolutely crazy they're playing challenge games uh, but uh, I certainly think Pat Ryan is on to a winner there um, I suppose just before we get into those results uh, contrasting uh, approach then was Liam Cattle 
Uh, we actually had the Tipperary senior hurlers in Abbey Dorney in, in Kerry yesterday. They played an old AVB game against each other uh, at our local pitch, uh, which was great to see. Great to see uh, the likes of Shami Callanan up, up close. He scored an unbelievable goal at one stage. And uh, they didn't spare it either. Connor Bow and uh, Ronan Maher started flaking each other in the middle of the field at one stage. And uh, Liam Cahill left them off at it. Uh, so uh, it was uh, certainly interesting to see the, that inter-county setup up close. But uh, getting back to Cork and the Red FM hurling leagues, uh, Douglas defeated Aaron's own three twenty to twelve. Sarsfields had a massive win over Cantork six twenty five to five, and it's ongoing heading towards the close between the Piercheke and Killa. The last time I checked, it was two nine to eleven points in favour of Nipirshig and uh, just try to get an updated score on that uh, it's probably heading towards full time at this stage, it started at 5 uh, still into the second half it is Nipirshig 3-12 Killa 1-13, 5 point lead for Nipirshig uh, there was a top of the table clash in Division 1A of the National Camogie League this afternoon as Tipperary faced Cork and it was the Rebels who came out with a big uh, big victory, 114 to 112 big, not in terms of the marginal scoring but uh, in terms of the competition that was at the rag, so important win for them, as I said Cork playing Clare tomorrow in Division 2 of the Allianz Football League uh, it's going to be another big test for John Cleary's men and uh, see how they fare out against uh, a monster rival as well again Obviously, uh, I was on here last weekend after watching Cork dismantle Limerick, so it'll be good to see if they can uh, keep that momentum going and the goal scoring going as well. Uh, approaching the 50th minute mark in Derry, it's Dublin still leading 9 points to 1-4. All right, the new season of the League of Ireland Women's Premier Division is underway. Unfortunately, a tough start for Cork City. They were defeated 6-0 away to defending champion Shelburne. Um, Danny Murphy is going to be along tomorrow with Rory uh, to discuss the season ahead. Obviously, it's a really difficult start going up to face the champions as well, um, but I'm sure it's only going to uh, go on an upward curve from there in the late games. It's Slugger Rovers 0, Shamrock Rovers 1, Shamrock Rovers returning to the league um, I believe uh, Shannon Fox with the goal for the visitors um, at Markets Field it's Tridy United nil Bohemians nil at Eamon DC Park it finished Galway United nil Wexford Utes 1 7pm sees the uh, clash between Athlone Town and Piemont. Uh, Cove Ramblers also in action as well in the first division of the League of Ireland. They're away to Longford Town tonight. Kickoff is at half past seven. All right, let's uh, jump into that massive win for Cork City last night in the Premier Division. First win of the season. Cork City 4, UCD nil. Cullum O'Sullivan was there, of course, and he spoke afterwards to Cork City manager Colin Healy. Colin, big win, back on track, the first win of the season, and he did it in style. No, I was. Listen, it was it was a great it was a great performance. Listen, we got um, a clean sheet is, is important as well, and uh, you know we got, got some very very good goals. Could have got a lot more, but um, listen, we're ha- we're happy with the four. It's always a good sign if you say after getting four, you could have got more. I mean, you created a lot of chances tonight. No, we did, we did, and uh, you know, give credit to the boys. You know, obviously, you know, we're making runs in behind, and you know, Danny was in a one-one. Listen, it was it was it was a good save, but it's. Uh, 
um, it's good for the players to get into those opportunities um, you would like to if, if we got more goals but um, I suppose three points is the most important team and we'll delay with that That's an important three points uh, after not picking up any in the first two games it was important to get the points on the board tonight wasn't it? No, it was it was yeah do you know I, I can't go mind and probably the first game do you know we were probably disappointed with the, the, the performance ourselves do you know and probably the second game the Derry we, we were better with a lot of chances up in Derry too but we never took them um, tonight we took we took chances you know we still missed a few but I suppose it's um, it's great for the players to be to be in those positions to have the chances but it's um, no it's great great to get three points and, and it's great you know for the support here tonight there was a big crowd here again tonight and hopefully they enjoyed it uh, you made a couple of changes obviously you made changes after the first game here for Derry last week you made a lot of changes and he made more changes tonight in particular in the goalkeeping position Jimmy was in yeah no Jimmy came in listen and he was fantastic and um, listen, Toby has a bit of a groin injury so um, that's the reason you know so we, we left him out and we put in Jimmy and listen Jimmy's been training he's been fantastic and every, every time we put Jimmy in he, he never leaves his down so which is, which is great does he play him into the, himself into the side after a clean sheet or is that yet to be decided yeah, listen, we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see but listen he, he's done himself no harm listen, he was very good tonight so um, like the rest of them were as well and four different goal scorers is fantastic as well no it is it is it's it's, um, it's nice it's nice to spread them out as well like, but it's nice to mind who scores once he scores you know, <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah once we win that's the most important thing but it was it was good to get the goals and you know listen goals and all that creates confidence for the players as well so it's um, yeah, it, was, it, it was it was it was good three points um, could have got more goals yeah. you keep saying that I know, could have got more listen, we, we could have and I just keep saying to the players is that it's a matter of support you, you got to be rootless in front of the goal and you got to listen you got to give you got to give credit to the players that they're in the positions to have the chances but uh, it's, um, yeah yeah but it's we're, we're, we're happy we're happy with the points Matt Healy got a cracker um, he's a tendency to do that he did it quite a few times last season he nearly got another one down the other end later on um, he's got a great strike of a ball in him doesn't he yeah no listen brilliant it's great to have Matty back in it's uh, he had a bit of a, a bit of a tight strain the last two weeks and probably you know we couldn't play him it's 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 um, it's one of those injuries that if you if you take a chance with him as it goes you're out for a while so it's great to have him back in and listen you can see the quality that he brings he's technically a very very good player but he's um, yeah no, it's great to have him back you mentioned a huge crowd again tonight I mean pretty much 5,000 people here against UCD on a on a on a Friday night when Munster were playing across the way as well a lot of distractions but 5,000 is absolutely massive here tonight and, and there's still some of them chanting and there was a great atmosphere it's because they're in the pub that's why they're still chanting <laughs> that always helps doesn't <laughs> no, it I think it helps sorry, yeah. no but it's um, no it, it is it's great and listen we, we appreciate it it's, um, it's listen, the, the, listen the fans have been brilliant do you know as I said uh, so no it's, it's great as I said 5,000 do you know um, yeah, and, and hopefully it continues and you know get behind the team and get behind everybody and you know it's um, it's, it's, it's great to see quick turnaround now Shamrock Rovers on Monday night it's a tough game but uh, you have to get the lads back in and get ready for it I suppose it is yeah but it's, it's a game that we it's a game that we look forward to it's, it's going to be a challenge it's, a, it's to the champions they're a very very good side um, you know they got beaten out tonight by Derry so it's um, be a great game and it's um, and that's what we want you're actually ahead of them in the table going into it now I appreciate it it's early doors isn't it <laughs> no, it's the best of luck Monday right, no problem. thank you cheers go alright Rory is on the line now to discuss a huge win for Cork City last night getting their season underway with a massive 4-0 victory over UCD Matt Healy Dara Crowley Rory Keating and Ethan Varian with the goals Colin Healy would have been very relieved I imagine to get this win yeah, he certainly was. Uh, I spoke to him afterwards for LOI TV and Colin spoke to him afterwards for, for, for us as well. And look, it's just, 
he was happy. You could see how relieved he was and how happy he was, not just with the three points, not just with the scoring, but with the manner of the performance. City were excellent throughout the game. They went at UCD right from the start, um, got their just rewards through a Matt Healy thunderball from well over 30 yards. Um, it was a, a short corner routine that obviously worked out on the training ground. I saw the short corner like start and I said, oh, for God's sake, a short corner. And then they worked it to Matt Healy who found himself in acres of space in the middle of the park. He just took a look up and just took a, a, a beautiful right footage strike that just went past the, the UCD goalkeeper Healy. It was a fantastic strike and look, you're not going to see a better goal than that this weekend. Um, to, to be fair, kept at it kept at it kept at it um, and then got their rewards just in the stroke of half time when uh, Derek Crowley popped up to calmly stroke the ball into the, the bottom corner just from about 12 yards out from a corner that wasn't dealt with by the UCD defence and you're 2-0 up and you think to yourself right City will come back up in the second half they'll just they, they'll hold what they have and uh, just uh, grind this out and they didn't they kept going for it and kept going for it and Colin Healy emptied the bench brought on uh, a number of players uh, oh, Joe Brian Whitmarsh was very very impressive when he came on Wimbo one of the new signings was very very impressive when he came on as well and Ethan Varian looked solid as well when he came on he's put a great ball in for, for Rory Keating to, to head home from six yards Keating completely unmarked six yards out free header I would have scored it um, <laughs> you're not going to get an easier goal than that in your career uh, and then varying with a beautiful header as well from Matt Healy Cross to, to round up the score and could have been five Josh Honan put in a cross that uh, O'Brien Whitmarsh nearly got a touch on it hit the post if O'Brien got anything on it at all it was going into the net but uh Overhand shot our cross just hit the the post. But look, it was a great day for City, a great performance. I, I don't have any criticisms of it whatsoever. Um and they go on now to a massive game of Monday night. Matt Healy only seems to score worldies. Uh, I've <laughs> never seen the guy score a normal goal. Another one from distance. Like he's absolutely ridiculous at this. Yeah, he certainly is. Uh, I was on commentary duties last night at Turner's Cross and I was ridiculously excited by that goal. It was just, it was special. Like, you, you knew as soon as he took the first touch that the shot was on and he was going to hit it regardless. And look, he's just got a beautiful right foot, not just from uh, for for shot taking but like for for he plays beautiful cross field passes he plays lovely balls into the box with his right or left leg that goal he put in our ball for, he put in for Varian last night was with his left foot uh, and uh, he just stood it up into the back post it was fantastic he's a fantastic player it's good to see him back to full fitness good to see him back in the starting 11 last night and uh, yeah that goalie score was absolutely spectacular and I would wager he'll score similar goals again throughout the course of the season um, in terms of the new arrivals as well how are they starting to bid in obviously Ethan Varian one of those uh, getting a goal as well which was very positive yeah it didn't start last night uh, Krezic started last night and did very very well uh, over the left hand side he's physical he's strong should have had a goal last night he was one on one with the UCD keeper at one point and he should have scored but the, the keeper uh, pulled off an excellent save uh, but Krezic I thought performed very very well last night when Fairing came on he was a big threat as well um, created a great goal for Keating and took one himself O'Brien well, Whitmarsh still looked very very lively when he came on he's certainly one to watch making his uh, Cork City senior debut uh, an academy graduate um, he looks like he's uh, very very excited came on for uh, Crowley after 77 uh, minutes a brother of, of Benin or Benin yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so um, it, he he looked like a very exciting prospect and I'm certainly very very happy with him last night Wimbo came on last night with an hour on the clock on for Barry Coffey who uh, picked up an injury uh, he did very very well in the middle of the park but at that stage I mean like 
UCD, um, like while they started, I suppose, okay, they were well organised. They'd gotten some good uh, results, well, a good result against Dundalk on opening day and a good performance against Sligo Rovers. They lost 3-2. They conceded two penalties. They probably should have gotten something from that game. So I was expecting um, more from UCD last night, but they they were organised a bit, but they just lost their way after that second goal in particular at halftime. But uh, yeah, uh, and oh, Toby Oluwabi was uh, out injured last night. He picked up a groin strain in training with Jimmy Corker and came in to deputise him. Goal didn't do a whole lot wrong. I don't think he had many saves to make throughout the game. Don't think he actually had a save to make throughout the game. Uh, and he looked very, very solid as well. So look, plenty of positives for Cork City to take from last night after their sluggish start to the season. Uh, they were very, very poor against Bohemians two weeks ago. Uh, a bit better against Derry last week and they were excellent last night. So hopefully this is a sign that the, the team started to click and they've started to gel and they're up to, to full match fitness and uh, they can go on now and move forward. Yeah, Rory Keating obviously was a man who came in and last year and was the signing that was to get Cork City over the line and get and win that first division title so it's good to see him scoring goals in the Premier Division as well Cork City are going to be licking their lips now ahead of that Shamrock Rovers tie um, on Monday isn't it? Um, yeah, Shamrock Rovers are very yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that, that's a real chance to put pressure on them yeah, and it's it's interesting that Cork City wins the the game uh, Shamrock Rovers at the table. Um, look, it was um, it's it's a huge huge um, prospect or a huge task for City going up to Tara to face Shamrock Rovers. There's no doubt about that. They will be uh, hurting after uh, losing last night to uh, Derry City. Uh, so it's a chance for Shamrock Rovers to get things back on track and look, Tala's always a tough place to go. We all know how good Shamrock Rovers are. Stephen Bradley's going to have his team fired up and angry and fighting um, for for Monday night. Um, but it should be a good contest. It's obviously going to be difficult for Sudar if going to have to Maybe change things up a bit um, and, and go a bit more defensive than they were last night, certainly. But look, they'll go up there full of confidence. They'll go up there thinking there's no reason why we can't get a result and why couldn't they? Um, but yeah, it's going to be a huge game on Monday night, 7.45 the kickoff time for that one. Really looking forward to watching it. But uh, yeah, it should be a, 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 it's going to be a tough test for City. But look, you never know. Um, they're, they're certainly more than good enough to go up there and get a point, maybe all three, depending on how the game goes. Absolutely, just to finish off on that Turner's Cross atmosphere, uh, it was absolutely rocking as it was against Bowes as well. Like, how, how great is it to be back in the Premier Division? It's fantastic. Um, it's like even just it's even things like the floodlights have been upgraded and the place looks fantastic. That you can see it on the on the coverage last night that the games look great now on TV because of the LED floodlight upgrade. Um, like there's a new sound system gone, which helps with the atmosphere. Uh, and five thousand people turned up last night to watch Cork City play UCD. UCD have never been a draw yeah. because the, uh, because they just haven't been a draw basically. Like so, for five thousand people to turn up. On a cold uh, March uh, Friday night with Munster playing a couple of hundred metres up the road. Um, uh, it's a fantastic crowd. I mean, like every team in the country would cry out for attendances like that, um, especially when you're facing UCD. Um, with no disrespect to UCD, obviously. Um, but it's a, it was a fantastic crowd and hopefully that will continue and look 
City back in action now on St. Patrick's Day back in, in, in Turner's Cross against Shelburne Damien Duff Shelburne coming to town and you're thinking right that could be a massive game as well it's an earlier kickoff 5 o'clock so that could be another huge crowd as well so certainly looking forward to that one but yeah there's a great buzz around especially after the last night after winning and look long may that continue and uh, yeah it was um, yeah a great night all around and I have to ask you Aiden, uh Kerry getting their first point last night in league history a very very proud moment for the club and I'd imagine it's, uh, it's, a, it's a moment I suppose everyone down in Kerry's going to remember for a long time yeah it was uh, scruffy it wasn't uh, wasn't like Matt Healy's goal <laughs> but uh, it's great goal great for Sean Kennedy the really good game as well obviously some listeners might remember Sean Kennedy from being around Cork as well um, on the scene but yeah the Leo Gaxa who's come back from Sheffield United is unbelievable what a player like nobody can handle him and uh, to get that result against Treaty you know Treaty back to back playoff uh, playoff appearances uh, two years they've been in the league like they're, they're kind of the example Kerry FC would be looking at to emulate uh, coming into the league you know they're, they're a really good club really well run um, so it was really good uh, just to get the result because you know these things can snowball like after three games if you haven't picked up points people are going to start asking questions and the crowd might not uh, keep on coming but we, we were selling out anyway 1400 again um, I suppose that's the trend all, all over the league though the League of Ireland is all of a sudden the, the biggest show in town everyone wants to go yeah. and watch the League of Ireland it's incredible um, so it was really good uh, Treaty United fans were, were good crack as well um, so it's it's a, it's great like I, I've always felt like you know that you always get a bit of slagging for supporting a premiership team and not supporting a League of Ireland team we've never had yeah. it to support so uh, I really feel like you know we're in the League of Ireland family now it's it's great to have a team on our doorstep and uh, I don't know who in the FEI I have to bribe to get a Cork City versus Kerry FC uh, cup tie uh, <laughs> of, uh, so if anybody has any suggestions of that if anyone has any suggestions on where must the broad envelope go for Kerry FC to be drawn at home to Cork City in the cup <laughs> please let me know It'll be fantastic. All right, Rory. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting times uh, for Cork City and for Kerry FC as well. And of course, Cove Ramblers playing tonight as well to continue their fantastic start to the first yeah. division season as well. I'm sure you'll be keeping an eye on them in tomorrow's show. Uh, Rory, yeah. thanks a million. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, great stuff there. Uh, speaking to Rory about that uh, big win for Cork City last night and Cove Ramblers in action this evening at half past seven away to Longford Town. Dublin leading Derry 12 points to 1 8 as Derry tap over a free. I was wrong about my permutations, of course. Um, Derry are on eight points, uh, Cork on four points. But if Dublin win, right? Cork win tomorrow, that's uh, Cork on six points, Derry on eight points. And. Um, Obviously, the the win against uh, Limerick now has put them back in play for the scoring difference. Well, it wouldn't matter if they beat Derry, they'll go level on points and they'll have the head-to-head. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I don't know, just, we'll relax and hopefully Cork can get the win tomorrow against Clare. Um, and well, hopefully Dublin can hold out here as well. Obviously, it'd be very beneficial if they can do uh, with 65 and a bit minutes gone on the clock. Um, but yeah, it's uh, who knew Division 2 of the Aliens Football League would be so exciting. All right, coming up after the break, we are going to speak to Sarah McKenzie Fo about today's qualifying session in the first uh, the opening Grand Prix weekend in the Formula 1 season and we're going to talk to Tom, Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings and we're going to hear from Graham Rauncher and John Klein after Munster's win at Musgrave Park don't go away The Big Red Bench Game on. 
Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock. Uh, Killa and Napiershig. It's full time between them in their Red FM Hurling League Division 1 clash. Napiershig have ran out 7 point winners, 314 to 113, the final score there. And Derry have just put over an unbelievable score to take the lead against Dublin. 110 to 12 points, 69 minutes gone. I cannot believe I'm sitting here willing Dublin on in in favour of Cork. Like, I, I, need, I need to, I don't know, have a chat with myself here. Like, uh, but yeah, Dublin, <laughs> it would be great. If, if, it would just be very beneficial for Cork if, if Dublin were able to, to get a victory here. Um, but... Uh, uh, a couple of minutes ago it's, it's a cracking game uh, at Celtic Park it really is uh, this Division 2 campaign has been fantastic and uh, we're going to have a full time result by the time uh, we come back because we're going to talk Formula 1 now and uh, world champion Max Verstappen has started the season by securing pole position for the Bahrain Grand Prix the Red Bull driver finished ahead of teammate Sergio Perez in qualifying for the opening race of the campaign uh, Charles Leclerc was third for Ferrari with uh, Carlos Sainz fourth and Aston Martin's Fernando Alonso fifth who uh, a lot of people were tipping or pipping or tipping to be uh, in the in the running for uh, P1 in that qualifying session George Russell was sixth and uh, his Mercedes colleague Lewis Hamilton was seventh on the grid all right Sarah McKenzie Foley is going to join us throughout the F1 season to react to the qualifying and uh, the races as well uh, so uh, it's uh, going to be great to, yeah, to have our own uh, resident uh, she's been the resident Formula 1 analyst on the Women in Sport podcast with Char McCarthy for quite a while and now she's the resident Big Red Bench Formula 1 analyst here is Sarah McKenzie Foley on today's qualifying session Okay, I'm joined on the line now by Sarah McKenzie Foley to react to quality session number one of the 2023 Formula One season. Um, <laughs> it looks fairly familiar uh, from here. Max Verstappen <laughs> is on pole position. Sergio Perez, uh, P2. And um, Fernando Alonso, who a lot of people were tipping maybe to put in a surprise, uh, a surprise pole position in P5 but I suppose other than that it is uh, it is quite close all the timings what have we learned from that session yeah I think it's you know fair fair comment I think if you if you hadn't watched the session and you saw the results you would probably think this is just the same as last year but actually it was really really close for example in Q1 the entire grid was actually covered by just 1.1 seconds which is no time at all really so I think a couple of things definitely the Red Bull still looks really strong even though they said they're not at their optimal yeah. performance which is kind of scary <laughs> if, if that's if that's the case I think Ferrari they didn't do a final flying lap with Charles Leclerc because they opted to save tyres for the race tomorrow which is an interesting decision and Carlos Sainz hasn't really been firing fully this weekend so I think there's still more to come from them as you mentioned Alonso driving for Aston Martin. There was a huge Alonso hype train uh, running since testing last week. And to be fair, they've had a fantastic start to the season. You know, for context, they qualified 17th and 19th at the same weekend last year. So, you know, this is a huge jump for them, even though it's not quite the uh, the blockbuster headline that we were hoping for. 
Yeah, we didn't get that that final lap shootout really either. Charles Leclerc uh, deciding not to go for another run and to save the tyres, which is maybe a statement in terms of strategy from Ferrari. Obviously, Frederick Vassar now is the new uh, team principal, mm-hmm. replacing Matteo Bonato, who has taken a lot of flack over the last couple of years in terms of uh, making those types of decisions. Um, so, is that a change? For, is that something different for Ferrari? I'm sure John McCarthy is going to be watching that with, with great interest. Um, are we? <laughs> seeing a bit more maturity in in the decision-making process? Maybe. I think it's probably a bit too early to say that, but I definitely would love to, I'd love for that to be true. I think, you know, regardless of who you support, the majority of F1 fans like to see Ferrari up there fighting at the top because of the history of the team. And, and they do have really talented drivers. As you said, it's just a case of whether they can pull the strategy together this year. I think, in fairness to Fred Vassar, it takes time for a new lead of any team to bed in. And from what we're hearing, he's actually really getting into the nitty gritty details and trying to understand everything from the very bottom to the top of every process. So I think this is going to take a bit of time. And I think, to be honest, for a lot of fans, it was probably disappointing, as you said, not to get the the final lap shootout, but definitely a mature decision from Ferrari. Let's see if it can pay off tomorrow. Technically, their car is actually not set up for the optimal race setup. So I think they may find it difficult. Um, looking down the field then, obviously very some very strange um I suppose results in in like Pierre Gasly mm. P20 uh, which is really disappointing for him you know I think mm. uh, what is he two two seconds or one point whatever seconds off of uh, what Ocon's uh, Q1 time was he's P9 uh, the two of those guys as much as uh, Sky tried to hype it up there and uh <laughs> show the bromance between uh, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly those guys straight up don't like each other yeah I think it, there's definitely a lot of papering over cracks is trying to be done and look teammates aren't supposed to be US friends in my opinion it, it just isn't realistic at all but I think I think it is really disappointing for Gasly you know it's his first first qualifying first race weekend with a new team and as you said he's plumb last uh, because his his actual lap time in the end was deleted for going over track limits so look he's adapting to a new car a new team I think let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt for now but I would love to see him kind of climb a bit up the standings uh, tomorrow in the race and just one more then to pick it out Nick De Vries who if anyone has watched Right to Survive knows talks a fantastic game uh, he's <laughs> P19 as well and uh, Yuki Sonoda finishing P14 so uh, it'll be interesting to see what Nick De Vries can do if he can back up uh, what he's what he's been saying at least yeah, I suppose if you think about it, he kind of had like a shooting star moment last year when, when he scored those points because firstly, he had nothing to lose. And secondly, we were any any anything he achieved was really a bonus, whereas now it's kind of OK, go out there and prove yourself consistently. So I think it's it's going to be tricky for him. You know, the, the car isn't necessarily it's not necessarily the the kind of optimal choice that he would have gone for but it's better than than a reserve driver seat so i think it's possibly going to take him a little while to get up to up to speed 
Yeah, uh, certainly going to be interesting tomorrow. Nico Hulkenberg as well, back in the Haas team. He's P10, uh, so mm. it'll be interesting to see if he can pick up a first podium of uh, his career this season. Surely in the space of 23 yeah. races, he'll be able to get on there at some stage, <laughs> uh, which would be great to see. But yeah, shaping up to be a fantastic season. Uh, Sarah's going to be joining us uh, throughout the season, and uh, she's going to be joining Rory as well on the bench, I believe, tomorrow after the race. Uh, so uh, exciting times to be a Formula 1 fan. The uh, beginning of the 2023 season and is upon us. Sarah McKenzie Foley, thanks a million for joining us on The Big Red Bench. Thanks so much, Aidan. Yeah, uh, it's going to be very interesting tomorrow. There, it was quite close in most of the uh, most of the timing, so it uh, could be make for an interesting race. All right, it's full time between Derry and Dublin, and Derry have won by a point, one eleven to thirteen points. Uh, Derry just about edging out, and um, I see the reason that that is not good for, for, for Cork is because they don't have the head-to-head in Dublin. They're going to have to hope that Dublin slip up again. Uh, that's if, if Cork were to go level on points with Dublin at any stage. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, they needed a Dublin win there. Uh, but look, all they can do is do their job tomorrow against Clare and uh, just keep on building on that momentum uh, that, that they've, uh, they've got rolling. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting where we were here with Clare. We're, we're 5th of March away to Clare uh, then it's a trip to Louth which is it's going to be a frustrating one no doubt um, so and then obviously Derry on the final day which um, Derry will probably be qualified I imagine for the final at that stage if they're not already qualified for the final now after that after that victory so um, Cork will be facing maybe a, a change Derry team at that stage and uh, look if, if they're in need of if they're in desperate need of getting a win maybe that game will be slightly easier uh, for them I'm just going to give a quick check on the other uh, results in the Premier League. The late game was between Southampton and Leicester City, and it's Southampton who lead. Uh, Alcaraz with the goal at home to Leicester City, uh, so that's a big goal for Southampton in the fight for survival. All right, we're going to look at uh, Munster's victory now uh, last night against Scarlets. Uh, <laughs> mental game. Uh, Munster got seven tries. Uh, Scarlets. Got uh, must have got six because there were seven points uh, between the two sides. Uh, just uh, we're we're just discussing there with, with Rory. Five thousand people um, at Turner's Cross. Eight thousand people at Musgrave Park. Uh, all in the space of uh, how, how many? Uh, what three or four hundred square yards of each other? Uh, which uh, it's incredible the appetite for for sport. Um, in the county at the moment uh, just shows it a 49-22 uh, 49-42 bonus point victory for Munster uh, we're going to hear first of all from Tom Savage who's going to talk through the game and afterwards we'll hear the thoughts of head coach Graham Rountree and John Klein here is Tom OK Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings joins me on the line now to look back at last night's well what what really should have been a massive win for Munster against Scarlets and Musgrave Park ended up being a one try victory in the end 49-42 plenty of tries for uh, just over 8,000 people uh, to watch last night in Cork and I suppose the biggest talking point was the reintroduction of RG Snyman I think after 509 days finally taking to the field and uh, came on in about the 63rd minute big uh, for Munster and an important time as well to be getting a player like him back in the team Absolutely and I think that you know getting a guy like RG Snayman back fit after so long out like this guy has played 
less than 80 minutes of rugby in the last three years. So getting him out there for 20 minutes even, there or thereabouts, was a really, really good moment for Munster, not just for, for this season, but for building into next season also. Um, it was great to see him come back and, and great to see him have a bit of impact in the game as well. You know, it's it's difficult for a guy to come back in after so long out of the game with like two consecutive knee injuries like that. Uh, great to see him back. But, you know, I think the game itself was, you know, one of those kind of game of two halves, but it was, uh, it was, it was entertaining, I'll give it that. Absolutely, yeah. And it was great to see so many Corkmen on, on the score sheet as well. Uh, you had Patrick Campbell going over, Gavin Coombs, uh, Shane Daly. Um, plenty, plenty of tries. Most of them coming in the first half, as you said. I think once they raced into a, a 28 nil lead, they had the bonus point wrapped up inside the half hour. Um, but like I suppose somebody like Patrick Campbell who's somebody we haven't really seen too often since he had the kind of breakout run last year um, I guess that's the the positive and the upside to the guys being away with Ireland that these guys get their chance and uh, it was nice to see him scoring in his hometown Oh absolutely and I think looking at Patrick Campbell that's a guy who there's an awful lot of, of hope for this guy that he's going to be a very serious player for Munster just 20 years of age do you know he's going to be 21 this year like he has been just like the performances he's shown whenever he's put on a Munster jersey in general have been very good but you look at him there last night the way he finished off that try um, had one or two mistakes as, as you expect all young players to have but on what would have been a very emotional week for like Sir Patrick Campbell for a lot of, a lot of these players I felt they played very very well and you know Patrick Campbell chief amongst them but like there's lots of guys there playing very well like Shane Daly great game for him you know a, a high field man uh, he's played with um, with Carcon as well I think like that guy he has really come on this season and he's looked very very good this game last night was a further illustration of that but there's an awful lot of Cork in this team and I think looking at the way that, that uh, the trends are going there's set to be a good number of them going forward as well I think just with this game I think Monster a little bit you know playing at home in Cork I'd say they were happy enough to get the win at the end given how the game went yeah, Shane Daly certainly loves playing in Cork anyway. Of course, scored a try against uh, South Africa and Parky Cueve as well, didn't he? Um, but yeah, tell me, why, how how did uh, a really comfortable and massive lead turn into such a bit of a nervy ending? Yeah, well, I, I've watched the game back now a few times, just doing stuff from my sight on it. And like a lot of individual errors, you know, I think that's something that you look at for the, the, the tries that came back in. Um, again, the kind of errors that, you kind of can't really account for. Like, you could look at different ways to, to assess a rugby game about how you concede certain tries. Like, are they systemic? Um, are you conceding world-class tries from a world-class team? Or is it guys making individual errors against a good side in the Scarlets? I think a lot of teams, or a lot of people rather, would have looked at that team performance by Scarlets in the first half and thought, look, these guys are no good, they're rubbish. Uh, that was far from the truth coming into the game. I think that the quality of Munster's performance in the first half blew them away but this Scarlet side have been on a great run and I think they showed their quality in that second half aided by um, some poor monster mistakes in defence but as well a fair bit of disruption when it comes to not just the, sec- the second half there was Paddy Patterson had to move on to the wing Ethan Cocklin came on as well a little bit earlier than I reckoned that he probably would have um, you had guys coming in out like Jack O'Donoghue going uh, coming off early he's the, the captain of the side a big leader for this team Niall Scannell coming on as well. He picked up an injury a few minutes afterwards, so it came back off. Um, guys like Mark Donnelly, guys like Ethan Coughlin, like these are very young players. Like uh, RG coming on, playing his first game in 500 and something days. 
Keenan Knox playing his first game in a couple of months, that all adds up. And I think that combine that sort of uh, kind of churn, we'll say, um, with a scarlet side hitting a purple patch and Munster's defence, guys making errors, you can see how a game might get out of, out of hand. Shouldn't happen, rather. But I think you look at the, the, the bigger picture and you can kind of understand what it is. Because I think over the last couple of weeks, I think at the Irish national team level, uh, I have seen Andy Farrell speaking about how a bus being 15 minutes late is adversity that Ireland have to overcome, about how players being injured, which happens all the time in this game, as being another adversity that Ireland have to overcome. So when you look at this week with the, the young players that were there, the guys returning from injury, um, going to a funeral of a fellow who you would have seen around the high performance centre, who would have trained, they would have been friendly with this guy um, during the week. We can't write that off from having an impact also on that second half dip. You know, we, if we want to talk about yeah. adversity, I think that's mm-hmm. something that can have an effect on guys, especially the young team that was there. And uh, for them to pull out the win, I think, you know, it's really good. In some ways, it reminded me a little bit of the Axel game. You know, when Munster started really well in that game and then had a patch in the second half where the energy just seemed to dip. Um, that happens when you're dealing with human beings and they learn from it and be better from it. Yeah, and just as you're touching on there, there were uh, tributes paid to both Tom Tierney and Brian O'Brien, uh, who were each uh, laid to rest in Limerick during the week. So as you said, you know, certainly uh, an emotional enough night for, for the guys on the pitch and around the ground as well. Um, I suppose looking at Munster then, it's five wins on the bounce. They got the bonus point victory, five wins on the bounce in the URC. Um, and they are now well back in contention to get that uh, home quarter final, which is going to be very important. And look, it's obviously Munster fans, they're they're going to want success in Europe. But for uh, Graham Rowntree, you know, being successful in the URC is incredibly important for his job also. So important. Like this game coming up in three weeks, Munster versus Glasgow and Tolman Park is going to be an incredibly vital game for Munster this season. If Munster can win that game, maybe even win a bit of bonus, who knows, Glasgow have been going very well. That will put Munster into solid top four contention for the rest of the season and you know give them a real shot at getting that home quarter final, which would be great for the finances next season. And like I think even now, the run Munster have been on makes it kind of very unlikely, unless there's a late collapse, that Munster will have Heineken Cup rugby next season. But when we look at the start of the year, Munster... Losing a number of games in a row, um, you know, having a bad run. They were 12th or I think it was coming up on 14th at some point as well. Like to turn it around and get, you know, Heineken Cup qualification relatively comfortably if, if the, the result trends stay the way they are. That's a good sign in the group. It's a good sign in the coaching staff. But this team want to win a trophy. Like there's an element that Munster are starting something and they're at the beginning of a journey as well. But I think looking at the way that the season is breaking down, I think if you can get RG Snayman back fit, guys like Thomas O'Hearn, guys like Edwin Adogbo, who I feel will have a real say in the season if they can come back fit. I think that would add an awful lot to Munster coming into this knockout season. And I think if Munster can get to a stage where they're in the URC knockouts after the Six Nations, there's lots of there's a, a big load on Leinster, would say, who I think is everybody's favourites to win the URC this season. I'm looking at this Munster side and I'm thinking they can be a real problem for a team in the knockouts. Not saying Munster will win, but they can be a real problem. And if they go on a run, uh, this Munster team, I think they, they will back themselves to have a pop off anybody. And I think with the way that they're playing, I think I'd, I'd back them to have a right cut off anybody. I mean, anything can happen in this game. But I think that the, the upcoming games in the season for the URC are going to be really, really important. 
multiple games affecting other games and uh, real stakes in the line. So it's, it's very exciting. For the uh, couple of guys trying to force their way into con- contention for uh, the international team, I suppose Joey Carberry and, and Gavin Coombs are the two standouts uh, that are in with a chance. How were... How were their placings affected by last night? Do you think they did themselves uh, any favours? Have they gone up or down in that sort of regard? And what are the chances of um, any one of them breaking into that Ireland squad in the, the final couple of games in the Six Nations? I don't think that the URC games affect one way or the other what happens up at the Ireland camp. I think you look at last time out uh, where Gavin Coombs was outstanding against the Ospreys. He scored three tries but his general all-round play was very good as well. That was not enough to force him on, even onto the bench against uh, against Italy. So I think from an Irish perspective, it is elements of a closed shop, but rightfully so, they would say. They've been incredibly successful up at Ireland. So I think you look at uh, Andy Farrell, I think his mind and his, his views at the moment are set on who he's going to be using. Uh, I think the fellas who are currently in camp have a massive advantage and the guys who were in the team be they starting or on the bench, have a massive advantage also. There's not a massive amount of upward mobility in this Irish squad. Uh, certainly for outside Leinster, you've got to play really, really well for a long time to get that same sort of consideration. That's just the way it is. I think that it's just one of those things that you have to accept as as the way things are at the moment because Ireland are successful, number one team in the world. I don't think you can argue with it. So I think for, for Carberry and for, for Coombs, they just have to keep playing. And I think they just have to wait for an injury in some cases. Like there are some guys have made very good careers out of coming in when somebody has been injured and then that jersey is theirs. I think that's the stage for, for Gavin Coombs right now. He's playing incredibly well. He's a very important player for Munster. He scores tries, but his all-round game is very good as well. You ask what, what more could he do? At this stage, I think that, you know, Farrell's mind, he's quite loyal with the guys who have been, you know, good for him over the years. That, Back, you know, like that four back rows that he has: Omani, Vanderfleer, Caelan Doris, Jack Conan. The one guy you you could you could think that Gavin Coombs might be able to to move beyond would be Jack Conan, who I felt was really poor against Italy um, last weekend. But Andy Farrell will give those guys a chance to to come back and to play again because they have been good for him over the years. So I think that's something that. Um, Coombs just has to wait for an opportunity sometimes there's not much more you can do except keep performing and and wait for a window and then when that window comes never let anybody back in ever again yeah, Absolutely yeah. certainly exciting times for uh, all players in and around the Ireland camp and in with a chance of course World Cup year uh, it's on the horizon in the summer and it's a massive period now in the rugby season obviously with the culmination of the Six Nations European uh, knockout stages on the horizon also so uh, big big couple of months coming up for Munster and Tom Savage I'm sure we're going to be uh, speaking to you again on the Big Red Bench thanks a million for joining us today Thanks for having me on yeah, great stuff from Tom Savage there running the rule over Munster's win last night. All right, Efo Callahan was at Musgrave Park for us and uh, Graham Rountree and John Klein spoke to the media afterwards. Here is Munster head coach Graham Rountree. Game two. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad to get out of that game with a bonus point, a bonus point win. We've had a challenging week as a club for multiple reasons. Um, Game freed up a bit, didn't it? That, that third quarter, um, we didn't help ourselves, and then we had quite a few changes, including people playing out of position. 
we're learning about people as well, youngsters. Um, there's a few guys there not played a lot of rugby, we're learning. Um, but let's not take it away from Scarlets, they can play. You know, we previewed all week their form and how dangerous they are, particularly if you, you kick poorly to them or kick loosely to them, how dangerous they can be on the edge of the field. And they've got a couple of big, rangy uh, forwards who can carry the ball and offload well. Um, and that's what we saw. That's what we saw in, in, in that from 50 minutes onwards. You know, you're hanging on at the end of the game. You think, crikey, it's got to this, but it had. It had. But, but head on, you come out of it with a bonus point win after a very um, challenging seven days. On the, the positives in the game, first half, some really nice attacking rugby there. Yeah, yeah, it's something that we've been pushing this season. Um, we've got a bit of momentum from our games, certainly the last 11 games as such. Uh, certainly our training reflects how that uh, that first 30 minutes went in terms of the pace at which we want to play the game and the work that Michael Rodriguez has been doing with us. So that was really pleasing. Um, but we uh, we just couldn't get away from them, could we? And we, and we, we didn't help ourselves. And I, I'm, I have learned to watch things in the cold light of day I'll go and watch it again tomorrow and then we'll, we'll reflect after that almost overshadowed the fact that Archie came on um, but yeah, yeah, that, that was, that was <laughs> another um, target of, of the game and he came on and he's been magnificent the last 18 months how he's handled various disappointments on and off the field if I'm honest with you so I'm proud of him he's, he's, he's so important for the group he's in our leadership group the lads love him um, I think he saw that when he came on so no it was ple- pleasing to see him get on the field well back, back to Orgy then how big is it we'll say you're heading into the business end of the season to have somebody of that quality on board you know as, as you're bidding for Tyson yeah, so Graham Rowntree there speaking to the media after Munster's win last night. We're also going to hear from John Klein. Some folk love me, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a different level. Now, um, on a serious note, I think everyone everyone's delighted to see Audrey back on the pitch. He's a, he's a big character, um, not just on the field, but off the field. You know, he's, he's really loved um, in the team. And um, I think you can see he's, he's loved by the fans as well. So it was, you know, if I had to pick someone to be replaced by, wouldn't be a bad fella. Um, so no, it, was, it was nice to see him back on the pitch, um, back after a long after a long struggle. And, uh, you know, he's, he's kept his head above water and he's, he's really persevered. Delighted for him. So proud of him as a friend. Um, yeah. On the, on the game itself, we were just chatting the ground there and kind of struggling to actually describe the how it went I mean it's a very hard game to sum up like that yeah it's a bit bizarre like we um, obviously we came out of the gates and we were firing um, everything was going well look Scarlet's are a you know they're a very good setup. Um, we spoke all week about how how dangerous they are in attack, especially on you know loose ball um, counter attack and all that. And I think we gave them a few opportunities in the second half. Um, but you know on the back of that, you have to say like we had a, we had a really tough week as a club. Um, you know with the passing of two you know Manchester legends, um, it hit a lot of the players really hard. So I think for us to off the back of a week like that come and put on a performance um, that would make them proud you know we got the 
it's a big score, um, bonus point win. Um, I think at the end of the day, you got to look at it price tax wise. Big score for us. Um, five points on the board. We're moving forward. You know, we're looking, we're looking good. We're progressing every week. And momentum now on your side was three games of the URC at least to go. Absolutely, like um, you know, we're working, we're working towards something. Um, and I think we've been working towards that same thing from the start of the year, but it's, it's starting to shape up now. And I think fans can see it. That's why you know they're showing up to every game. Um, and you know, obviously on the inside, we can see it. We're identifying things that we can improve on every week. Um, and you know, we're really showing what we want want to see um, in terms of attack. And both in D will obviously not not so much in D tonight, but. Um, I'd say tonight is definitely a blip on the radar in terms of, you know, it's it's going gonna, gonna to be an outlier for us all season. We'll look at it on Monday, I'd say, and we'll be quite disappointed with our defensive performance. But other than that, I think we're really putting the task tonight. Go for you, Yeah. yeah um, you've had to carry the can a lot, and the second row was all, all the injuries all season. But uh, notwithstanding the hype being out, yeah. the fact Edwin and Tom are coming back as well now, like it's going to be, it'll be fair with the competition heading into the. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, the sexy end of the season. Absolutely, you can't you can't knock it. Like there's nothing better for your own performance than competition. You know, um, I think it's it's you know it's always easy to. Just if, if you're the only one available, it's, it's easy to just sit back on your laurels. But um, you know, I think from a team perspective, not just obviously from my from my own perspective, I think we're driving something different this year. We're we're really pushing ourselves to be better as as individual players as well. Um, and I think Mike Prendergast, he's he's pushing it a lot in terms of you know attacking, forcing us to do more um, and be more comfortable in. You know, in different roles. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be good to have the lads back. You know, if if not only, um, you know, to put a bit of pressure on the lads who are in the next moment, like me and me and Fanine and Argy now who's back. Um, but you know, just for a little bit of squad depth, you can't play every week. Um, <laughs> yeah, John Klein there speaking after Munster's victory last night at Musgrave Park. We're out of time. Uh, starting lineup is in for Cove Ramblers against Longford Town. That's at half past seven. Lee Stacey starts in goals. Michael McCarthy, Keane Brown, Brendan Frattle, Jason Abbott, Tiernan O'Brien, Jack Doherty, Luke Desmond, Wilson Waweru, Dale Holland, and Charlie Lyons make up the uh, starting eleven and. And uh, before we go, we'll just uh, we'll reflect on the uh, team news that was announced there on Friday night for Cork versus Clare. And uh, for the third game in a row, if I'm not uh, incorrect, John Cleary has named the exact same 15. And I think uh, Brian, or, uh, Brian O'Driscoll would have been a uh, doubt after going off injured against Limerick last week. But it's the exact same 15. It's Mihalik, Martin and Gold, Mars Shanley, Dan- Daniel O'Mahony, Tommy Walsh in the full back line, Luke Fahey, Rory Mc. Guire and Matty Taylor in the halfback line Colm O'Callaghan Neen McGuire in midfield Owen McSweeney Sean Powder and Brian O'Driscoll in the half forward line and Brian Hurley Chris Oak-Jones and Stephen Sherlock 
inside so it's certainly been a long time since Cork have been able to put out the same 15 three games in a row so uh, promising stuff and hopefully uh, a win for Cork tomorrow against Clare you can get all the reaction here on the Big Red Benchers loads of stuff on tomorrow with Rory Sunday O'Sullivan is on we have uh, part two of Breach Corkery's episode of Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy uh, we're going to have F1 roundup like you said uh, Danny Murphy as well is going to be in studio talking to Rory of course Cork City FC women's manager so that's all to come tomorrow plenty of stuff here so I'll keep you tuned to the big red bench on Cork's Red FM alright that is it thanks a minute for listening Stevie G is on the way next Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.